next week we're going to be back in Romans chapter 8. Ooh, two more weeks. We're going to stretch this one out. Romans 8 is awesome, isn't it? But, and also Christmas communion next week. But we have a special treat. My twin, uh, my pilgrim twin, Sean Davis, is going to be sharing as he does after every Thanksgiving. As you know, Sean and I, we call each other twins because we're actually related. Um, same gram, great, 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 great grandmother, yeah. uh, pilgrim. Yeah. So... Uh, he got the tall jeans, obviously. <laughs> it's because we had a different grandpa. We had the same grandma, but his the first grandpa must the south, south southward southward, southward yeah. must have been tall, and I got William Bradford. He must have been short. So anyway, uh, so. but Sean, uh, a lot of you don't realize because he's uh, has a crazy schedule on Sundays with his job, but he runs both of our prayer ministries, the Sunday morning and the Sunday uh, Wednesdays. And so if you ever dial in on any of those live streams, he runs all these ministries uh, for prayer and, and praying. And today he's actually going to talk about prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. And I want to encourage you on fasting. I, I know it's something I've done for years. Uh, every week I do a 24-hour fast. I usually do lunch to lunch. I, I miss breakfast, you know, breakfast, breaking the fast. And a lot of people don't know that, mm-hmm. all right? But uh, that it has just a real powerful reminder to just, uh, man, I need food. No, I need Jesus. I need Jesus and that, that prayer time. So that's what uh, Sean's going to be preaching about. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, we just thank you for my uh, Mayflower twin, and uh, we just thank you for his ministry with prayer, and just pray that you would empower him to bless us now through the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you all. Todd, I hope it's all right I leave this on your piano here. <laughs> you know, my uh, my wife was launching me this morning, and she says, knock him dead. And then she said, no, don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't do that. I changed the, uh, I was, uh, this morning I was praying with our brother Chuck Harrison, and uh, he really, he, he really brought something to light, and uh, you know, I changed I changed the name of the sermon, uh, sermon from a prayer and fasting to uh, get in the game. I'm an old coach, and uh, a lot of times we think about, uh, okay, well we're saved and uh, we know that, so we really don't need to do much anymore. Well, you're on the team. That's great. But how do you get in the game, get in it, and really fight for Christ? And uh, what we're going to talk are two elements today. We'll talk about uh, prayer, and we'll talk about fasting. And the two really go hand in hand, uh, because when you're fasting, you're obviously uh, giving up food. Uh, with Chuck, I, I uh, fast often. We'll talk about a little bit about tonight, uh, today. We'll talk a little bit about uh, how to go about it. Uh, some wise words from some great Christians, and uh, we'll talk about it in the Bible. Do you know fasting is in the Bible over seventy times? There's a reason why it's in there, and there's a reason why it. And we'll cover this as well today. Jesus didn't say, if you fast. What did he say? He said, when you fast. When you do it. In other words, it's expected. 
This is a part of the Christian life. It's part of being in the game. The game is, of course, against a very tough opponent. And that opponent will do anything. The enemy will do anything to keep you down, to keep you away from the Lord. And uh, it's, it's, it's a struggle every day. It's a struggle for each one of us as we see our brothers and sisters in Christ suffering, as we see what's going on in Israel. And, and I was talking with, uh, with a guy at, uh, at, at, my, at work, um, and this was right after uh, Israel was invaded. And he, he just shook his head. And I, I don't know what religion he is. And, uh, and, and I just looked at him and said, it kind of feels like we should be doing more, doesn't it? Well, how can we do more? <laughs> Pray and fast. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty simple for me, and hopefully it'll be simple for you. Fasting has this connotation that it's tough. It's really not that tough. So we'll talk about that a little bit. I'm going to tell you a story right now uh, before we get into prayer and before we get into the sermon. I was reading about a prominent Arab recently. She made an indirect turn from Islam to atheism, and now she's uh, Christ, for Christ. Say Christ opposed to Christian. I had another conversation, and a guy came up to me at work, and he said, uh, I hear you're a Christian. And I said, oh, I'm a biblical Christian. And he said, well, we all are. Everyone's a biblical Christian. I didn't say anything. He said, you know what? You're right. Yeah, I'm a biblical Christian too. He goes to a strong church down in Philly, Baptist church down in Philly, and uh, uh, and that was enough said. I didn't need to hammer home the point that uh, we got a lot of apostate churches out there. Christ's bride now resides in the individual and individual churches. Christ, oh, this is from Ephesians 5, 25-27. Christ, the bridegroom, has sacrificially and lovingly chosen the church to be his bride. Let's tie it back. Are we Christians? I.e., is Jesus going to spit us out? We'll talk a lot about Revelation today. It's right there in Revelation. Is he going to spit us out or is he going to bless us? Ayan Irsay Ali, longtime critic of Islam and a vocal atheist, announced that she is now a Christian. This is recently, by the way. For me, it seems like she's a biblical Christian. For both spiritual and civilizational reasons. Those are her words. Civilizational reasons. Here we are. Got to get in the game. 
Think about that for a second. She's right. What's going now is laid out in Revelation. Listen to Chuck's sermons on the book. It's a long, long teaching moment that he has in his sermons on Revelation. I've listened to it twice. I never got my pizza, but that's my fault that I didn't get here. She said, I still have a great deal to learn about Christianity. We are all learning. This essay was published this week. I discover a little bit more at church each Sunday. But I've recognized in my own long journey through a wilderness of fear and self-doubt that there's a better way to manage the challenges of existence than either Islam or unbelief have to offer. If you want to look it up, her uh, essay was published on the website Unheard. She recalled that the Muslim Brotherhood had a unique ability to transform her and her fellow teenagers into activists almost overnight. It's the reason why I'm bringing this up. Amid strict prayer and fasting sessions, we're going to talk about the differences between the three Abrahamic belief structures, obviously Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. The Somali-born Ali and her friends were taught to hate Jews, avoid indulging in early pressures, or, or else face the wrath of Allah. She said the zero-cost escape from life, from a life of self-doubt and harassment offered by atheism made the absence of belief appealing to her. The atheists in her circle... Yeah. The atheists in her circle, Christopher Hutchins, Richard Dawkins, think about this for a second, offered her a new circle of friends that were both fun and clever. Kind of like heroin's kind of fun, huh? People are kind of clever. The enemy's kind of clever. We don't like that. Fun and clever, please. Ali witnessed the threats posed to Western civilization via authoritarian regimes like, here we go, back to Revelation, Russia and China. And the rise of global Islam. And the viral spread, this is her words, this is not Sean making this stuff up. The viral spread of woke ideology, the benefits of atheism seemed inadequate 
to combat the issues of modern civilization. So in other words, we're not all modern here, you know, and we're not, as I've said many times before, we're not any smarter, we're not any more intelligent, we just have better toys. So the modern civilization needs to get back to the roots. And what is the root? Christ Jesus. We endeavor to fend off these threats with modern secular tools. Military, economic, diplomatic, technological efforts to defeat, bribe, persuade, appease, or surveil. And yet with every round of conflict, we find ourselves losing ground. Right. Kind of like 1962 when God was taken out of the schools. We're taking this one step at a time. And each step, it's a downward spiral into the pit. Get in the game. If you're a saved Christian, get in the game. For heaven's sake, just look at how Rome fell. It fell from within. You think the U.S. is any different? It fell from the Visigoths knocking at the door of Rome. Why? Because they let them in. They tried to become all things to all people. Stand for something. Get in the game. Atheist doctrine of God is dead, in her opinion, seemed insufficient and to find refuge in the rules-based liberal international order the solution Ali found was to embrace one's desire to uphold Judeo-Christian tradition. Can I get a praise God? Praise God. She also praised the freedom of conscience, the freedom found in Western civilization. She believes such freedom is a product of debate between Judaism and Christian communities. Yeah, we're going to debate. As long And debate is good. It's fantastic. As long as we all have the, kind of the same goal, how do we get closer to God? How do we understand the Lord more? That's what it's all about. Islam has not outgrown, this is her talking again. This is, Islam has not outgrown its, uh, its dogmatic phase, stage. It became increasingly clear that Christ's teaching implied not only a circumscribed role for religion as something separate, I say above, politics. It also implied compassion for the sinner and humility for the believer. We're going to get back to that in just a second. Ali admitted that she found life without any spiritual aspect, this is talking about atheism, unendurable. Atheism failed to answer the eternal question. Why are we here? What's the meaning and purpose of life? In life we know now, we know now that we're saved, it's to glorify God. That's the only reason we're here, to grow closer to Him and to glorify Him. The God hole, as she described it, inevitably left a void that has been filled by a jumble of irrational quasi-religious dogma. In other words, we were just talking this morning about uh, apostate religions. Todd was talking. And uh, the Unitarian, 
Everything. Everything to all people, right? No. Quasi-religious. That's quasi-religious right there. Dogma. She believes without Christianity, the West cannot withstand China and Iran and Russia. They can't count the West, can't counter Christianity, uh, excuse me, can't counter <laughs> Islam without secu- <clears throat> with secularism and will be unable to fight woke ideology, which she claimed, she claimed this, is determined to destroy civilization. Yeah. Rome again, here we are, fall from within. Here we are, back in the book of Revelation as well. Unless, she says, unless, something, unless we offer something meaningful, I fear the erosion of our civilization will continue. And fortunately, there's no need to look for, she's still talking, there's no need to look for some new age concoction of medication and mindfulness. This is her words. Christianity has it all. Ali became the victim. Okay, this is here. You want to get real? You want to get real about Islam? Ali became the victim of female genital mutilation at the age of five after surviving civil war, beatings, and arranged marriage. She received political asylum in the Netherlands as a young adult. She later served as a member of the Dutch Parliament from 2003 to 6 and renounced the Islamic faith. In 07, she helped establish AHA, which works to protect the rights of women. <clears throat> Christianity's for women, pro women, go go go. I mean, we get, we, get, we, get, we get beat up a little bit with being anti. No, we're not anti-woman. We're all about women. <clears throat> all right, here's the question. What are you doing? What are each of us individually doing? Are we in the game? We've got to keep moving on. Takeaway from this story for me is threefold. Pray. Pray that the U.S. and the Western world trajectory is reversed. Pray that we become more Christ-like. Meditate. Meditate on the Word. Meditate on the Word by thinking through both the pro and the con. Debate it with you, with the Lord, with a friend, for and against your current situation. Find a subject you're struggling with. Find a passage in the Bible that deals with your issue. Then ruminate on it. I'm talking about meditation still. And be at peace with His will. Fast. Prayer and fasting go together. These three go together. You've got to fill some time, right? Take the opportunity when, again, here we are back to Christ's words, when you fast to find subject in the Bible that you meditate on while you're fasting and ask for guidance from the Lord. 
from your loving and eternal Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you through our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks for this church and this church body. We give thanks that 22, 23 years ago, you placed it on Chuck and Kim's heart to plant this church here in New Hope. We thank you, Lord, for the members of this congregation. We thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are praying and fasting for the deliverance of Israel. We ask, Lord, for we, we ask that the blood of Christ go on our brothers and sisters who are suffering right now, who are facing the toughest of situations, whether it's husband or wife or parents and children. We ask that they turn to you, that they continue to turn to you and move forward to grow and achieve the ultimate purpose in life, the reason why we are here. And that reason is to glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others that they're fasting. Truly I tell you, They've received their reward in full. Think about that one for a second. They have already received their reward in full. In other words, they get nothing. Right? They don't get a reward. There is no reward because they're faking it. But when you fast, put oil on... There's that when again. When you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen. And to your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. They already got their reward. They're not getting anything because they're faking it. This is between you and the Lord. You don't need to talk about it with everybody. This is the first time I ever heard, and I've listened to talk, Chuck talk a lot. And this is the first time I've ever heard the exact times when he fasts. He's never, I'm, I'm not knocking, ch- oh heavens, don't no, stop. Um, what I'm saying is, it's between him and the Lord. That's my point. It's between him and the Lord. We don't need to talk about it. We need to run around. Maybe tell your wife, your husband. All right, is it hard? Can be. Will you be uncomfortable? Maybe, yes. Will you become irritable? Only if your mind's clouded. In fact, will you become closer to Christ? Yes. That's the point of fasting, to become closer to Christ. Talk about in this book I wrote, uh, Biblical Entrepreneur, we talk about royal jelly. Royal jelly is the food, it's a real name, the food that bees eat, uh, feed to a future queen, so that they become so large. You can talk to Bob about that as well. It's a power food. Well, what, what, what consists of our power food? Fasting, Bible study, prayer, and meditation. 
Fasting helps strengthen our focus on God. We don't fast because humans tell us to. Christian fasting is rooted in the complete work of Christ, to which our fasting can add nothing. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna so you gotta you gotta focus here because we're gonna do a little bouncing around between uh, Judaism, uh, Muslim, and uh, Islam. Excuse me, correct, and uh, Christian fasting. So hang with me here. Muslim fasting represents a longing for acceptance through the demonstration of submission. Christian fasting represents a longing for the one who purchased our acceptance by submitting himself even unto death. You don't believe me? Just read Philippians 2.8. In Matthew 9, disciples of John the Baptist questioned Jesus. This is... It's all over the Bible. This is everywhere. He questioned Jesus, right? Asking why his disciples didn't fast. We, we, could, we could spend weeks on this next uh, Matthew 9.15. Can the wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? See how we're tying all this together here? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away. He's the bridegroom, right? And they will then fast. That's us. It's expected. Not when, not if, not if, when. When Christians fast, we express our soul's deep satisfaction with the Savior, who stands far above his good gifts. We express our longing for Christ and a return, the fulfillment of his presence. This is what we want. We want to be with him. Okay, here we are. Muslims fast primarily to express their submission to Allah. I wrote a note in here that I can't read. Apart from martyrdom in the service of Allah, Islam does not offer its followers assurance of salvation. So a Muslim hopes for, sal- hopes for salvage hinge on a per- perpetual submission to Allah. In other words, it goes on and on. You always have to submit. Indeed, the very word Islam means submission. And Muslim means one who submits. Fasting during Ramadan represents one of the five key aspects of submission, known as Islam's pillars, which also includes the profession of Allah to the one, as the one true God and Muhammad as his prophet. Ritual prayer conducted at least five times a day, almsgiving and pilgrimage. I'm leading somewhere here, so hang with me. In the Mecca. Islam's Islam's holiest site. Eliza Burlo, Bulo, excuse me, Colorado-based Jewish educator, and uh, she founded WIC, uh, and this is from the Jerusalem News Service. I read that. You should read the Jerusalem papers, by the way. They're easy to get now. You don't have to mail away for them. Uh, They're right there online. 
Fasting in Judaism generally centers around atonement for previous wrongdoings, mourning or gratitude. That is, by abstaining from food, one realizes his or her dependence on God and appreciates the sustenance God provides. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. God places much emphasis on being good, I'm back to Ramadan, being good during Ramadan. <clears throat> said Al-Baz. People give, people give charity for each person in their home, plus an additional 2% for every major asset, including sheep and camels. He said that, <clears throat> like the month of Elul, uh, during which Jews make amends with man and God, throughout the month of Ramadan, all good, this is, think about this for a second. Be thankful that we are not living, that we are under the coverage of Christ. All good deeds during Ramadan, all good deeds and charitable donations are considered doubled in God's eyes. Okay. We, We can't double. We're not instructed that God isn't giving us as followers of Christ, as biblical Christians. Uh, he's not giving us, he's not insisting upon us to give double, or he'll give double if we do something. Think about that. It's tough stuff. You want to do as much good as possible, so at the end of the month, when God does an accounting to see how many good deeds you did versus bad deeds, you will skew Positive. Now, through our rebirth as adults, Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross, his resurrection from the dead after three days as prophesied through the whole Bible. Psalm 16.10 states, God will not abandon the psalmist to the realm of the dead or let his faithful one see decay. Why am I bringing up that verse? I'm going to tell you why. This verse has been applied to Jesus' resurrection in both Peter's address to the Jews on the day of Pentecost and Paul's quote to Antioch. In other words, the Bible is, as we well know, the Bible is referenced all over the place from, that's how it became the Bible, is because everyone kept talking about the same verses. Jesus arose in a glorified body that was incapable of dying. The psalmist expresses their hope that God will not abandon to them, them to the realm of the dead or let the faithful ones see corruption. So let's take a look at what Christ had to say about fasting. Mark 9.29, Jesus responds to his disciples' question about why they couldn't cast out foul spirits. He said that the spirit can only be expelled through prayer and fasting, which they had not observed. In other words, he's telling us to do it, right? He's t- <laughs> Statements consistent in multiple translations of the Bible. Some leave out fasting, but I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. Big events follow fasting. Big stuff happens. 
Moses fasted for ten, uh, <coughs> excuse me, for forty days and nights. Out came the Ten Commandments. In times of national emergency or disaster, were reasons for whole nations to seek God's help. Esther called all the Jews to fast to prevent their impeding destruction. That's Esther 4.16, and God graciously answered. Jesus went into the wilderness and exemplified our need to connect to God through the and reliance on Scripture. Jesus fasted for 40 days in preparation for his public ministry and for the ability to overcome the devil's temptation to derail him. Matthew 4, 1-11. The early church also fasted. They fasted and worshipped for decision-making. Acts 14.23 says, And when they had appointed elders for, for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. In the New Testament, fasting continued the significant place in the Bible. Prophetic words, Jesus, <coughs> by the prophetess Anna to uh, Mary and Joseph, did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer day and night. That's Luke 2, 2.37. Jesus expected, expected that his followers would fast. Matthew 9.14 and 15. They did so with proper motives. God would seek them. Matthew 6.16 6, and to 18.. And just as his reward... Those who prayed with proper motives, Matthew 6, 5, and 6. The apostolic church took Jesus' teaching on fasting seriously. After being blinded by the sight of Jesus on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus fasted for three days. At the end of this period, Jesus sent Ananias to pray for him, to recover his sight, be baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 9, 1-19. I summarized it there. Fasting was a prominent factor in one of the most significant events in the mission history, the launching of the first missionary journey of the church. While Saul and Barnabas and three friends in the church of Antioch were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart me, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. That's Acts 13, 1 and 2. I'm going to make a little side note here. The only time the apostles didn't fast for big decision-making was when they took it upon themselves to appoint uh, their own apostle. Well, God didn't want that one, right? Chuck, what's his name? Matthias? I, I apologize. I just, I just blocked it. But my point is, is they didn't pray or fast. They didn't seek the Lord. And as a result, well, that never heard from again, right? Never heard from again. 
The church, after a time of fasting and prayer, sent, sent them off on the mission of evangelism and church planting. This is, I'm, backed, I'm sorry, I'm backed up Barnabas and Paul. In Acts 14.15, 14.23, they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting. Unfortunately, in the 6th century, the church made fasting more legalistic. Made it obligatory during the Second Council of Orleans. That was in the Middle Ages. Made any many uh, uh, additional, uh, they kept adding on obligatory fast days. So you just have to, this is, again, let's circle back. It's between you and the Lord. It's only worsened problem with illegalism and righteousness for many people. Positive side, uh, the Irish monks prayed and fasted uh, and... Uh, I think I want to talk about the separatists here. They, 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 they prayed and fasted for uh, uh, for the for England, and uh, they were not invaded by France as a result. To finish that thought, the separatists fasted. They fasted when they got here. Separatists being the pilgrims, fasted when they got here. They fasted all the time because they needed God's help. We're in the same place. Protestant reformers rejected fast days because, but they retained that fasting was an important uh, practice. Martin Luther, John Calvin praised fasting. John Wesleyan found it so important that he would not ordain anyone who did not fast two days a week as regular practice. I have a flash of Chuck. Uh, uh, not marrying couples who do some things that uh, on the, he was just talking about a couple weeks ago. Same type, same exact situation on the birth control. In England, 1756, Wesley saw and praised God's remarkable response to the king's proclamation for a national day of fasting and to stop the French from invading. 20th century, Barnhofer, Diedrich Barnhofer and C.S. Lewis are many leaders who practice fasting and encourage others to do so. I think we do well to follow their lead. In 1940, Lewis and all of England saw God's incredible answer as a result of the National Day of Prayer, and there was fasting involved. And what happened? Uh, 338,000 British troops were saved at Dunkirk after Churchill called for a day of prayer and fast, for a time of prayer and fasting. Again, Jesus assumed that we would fast. He didn't tell us how long or how frequently. The reasons we might fast today are similar to those believers of past generations. To subdue the flesh and humble ourselves before God, draw near to him. Psalm 69, 10. 
in 3513, as a part of life and worship and devotion to God, Luke 2, 37. To express our sorrow and repentance for our sins and ask God's help breaking their powers on our life for power to resist demonic temptation and attack. That's Matthew 4. I summarized it 1 to 11. For the Holy Spirit's, we're getting all of God in this one, for the Holy Spirit's vision, guidance, and empowerment in ministry. Acts 13, 1 to 4. To seek deliverance from the oppressed. Isaiah 58, 6. For the revival of God's church. 2 Corinthians 7, 14. For the protection of nations in times of great difficulty. 2 Chronicles 20, 1 to 4. Do you understand where I'm going here? Kind of picking up what I'm laying down? For national repentance and mercy when, or from God's Judgment, when sin is at hand, that's Jonah, Jonah 3. This all sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? I think we need some prayer and fasting in this world. Wesley gave some helpful guidance about the right way to fast. So this is his view, and I'm all for it. First, let it be done unto the Lord with our eye singly focused on him. Let our intentions herein be this, and this alone, to glorify our Father who is in heaven, to express our sorrow and shame for our manifold transgressions of his holy law, to wait for an increase of purifying grace, draw our affections on things above, to things above, to add seriousness and earnestness to our prayers to avoid the discipline of God and to abstain all the great and precious to obtain, <laughs> to obtain all the great and precious promises he has made to us in Jesus Christ uh, that was a good one in the bible the most common fast lasts for one day from sun up to sundown. It involves refraining from all food, but not from water. Variation of this fast runs for 24 hours or more, but involves drinking plenty of water. Examples of three and seven day fasts are found in the Bible. Determine the length of time to fast, depending on the circumstances. Less intense, but longer duration is a partial fast, a reduction of the amount of food eaten each day, possibly a modification of what's consumed. So I can't talk about fasting without going for a popular one. Many people have heard of the Daniel fast. This is a, a, a <clears throat> observing a partial fast for up to 21 days. We don't know why Daniel couldn't do a full fast, um, but the Bible tells us it was a partial fast. During which, this is Daniel 10, 2 and 3, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Ask God how to guide you in fasting. How long 
and ask for direction. God's going to recognize your fast from the very beginning. What a fast does is it makes you a little bit more bold in praying. It, it makes you reach. It forces you to reach. It clears your mind. It clears your thought process. So you can dial in. This will also give you time to sit quietly with the Lord. Psalm 27.4 says, Gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Well, physical complaints are short-lived and really nothing. They are distracting. The message you're sending to your body is, my mind and my Lord are in charge. My body is not in charge. We should eat to live, not live to eat. So it's a question not a question of when, if you fast. It's a question when. If you long for a deeper relationship with God or you're facing a crisis, and please, many, many in our church family, our brothers and sisters in Christ, I deal with this in the prayer team all the time. They are really struggling. And they need you. They need you to pray fast for the world for the Lord to be returned. If you make fasting a regular part of your journey upward, not downward, you're not going to regret it. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you through our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks for all that you have given for us, to us. We ask that you guide us on a daily basis on how we can do more. We ask, Lord, that you give us strength and perseverance as we walk this journey, as we were placed here by you for one particular reason, to glorify you, to draw ourselves closer to you. That, that eternal question, why are we here? What are we doing here? What is the purpose of this life? We ask, Lord, that you continue on a daily basis to show us that purpose, that purpose to draw close to you. As we say in every service, John 3.16, for God, please say it with me, for God so loved, (laughs) he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life.